Today we look at Genesis 25, and uh, by the way, uh, just a neat ministry our class has. When uh, someone in our class passes away, and there is a death in our class, uh, Becky, right down front here, uh, Becky Barkley, helps to organize the uh, funeral dinner for the family, and uh, that is a wonderful ministry. And you know, every once in a while we pass that plate and take up some money that helps pay for those meals. And so uh, that is a wonderful ministry our class does. Uh, there is a, a ministry of food. And so uh, when you get around and the family comes back and has that meal, that's a wonderful thing. So we appreciate that ministry. Alright, Genesis 25. Today... We do away with Abraham, alright? And this is the final days of Abraham the patriarch. And uh, the last chapter in his life. And Genesis 25 talks about the death of this man of God. And remember, Abraham's not just the man of God, he's the friend of God. And so Abraham goes and he is gathered to his people. I want to read just verse number 8. Genesis 25, reading verse number 8. Abraham breathed his last and died in a ripe old age, an old man, and satisfied with life. And he was gathered to his people. Now, you can read and find out that Abraham indeed died at a ripe old age because he was 175 years old. I would call that a ripe old age. There, uh, there are many people in history that we could read about that died well. And they died well because they lived well. And Abraham here had a remarkable life. Remember, God called him to leave Ur of the Chaldees. He walked out of that land by faith. Walked out hand in hand with Sarah. And Sarah, of course, passed away uh, back in chapter 25. Or I'm sorry, back in chapter 24. And uh, we read about the death of Sarah and how that Sarah, when she died... Um, I'm sorry, back in chapter 23. Uh, Sarah, when she died, she was 100 and, uh, uh, 127 years of age. You find that in chapter 23, verse 1. And so Sarah also had a long life on this earth. Matthew Henry has a neat comment about Abraham. Matthew Henry says, Let us not close the history of the life of Abraham without blessing God for such a testimony of the triumph of faith. Now think about that last comment, the testimony of the triumph of faith. Abraham had a wonderful testimony of the victory and the triumph of his faith. And really, that's all that matters. And so in chapter 25, verse number 8, when Abraham breathed his last, there was a celebration, I believe, in heaven of the triumph of this man's faith. 
Now, when someone dies, and by the way, I'm trying to make this not sound like a funeral today, alright? But when someone passes away, usually three things are talked about. How they live their life, the events surrounding their death, and then third, where did they stand with the Lord? Now the most important thing is where did they stand with the Lord? You know, faith makes all the difference in the world. And so today we're going to kind of look at those three things surrounding Abraham's life. So I want you to look in your Bible, kind of hold your spot here in Genesis 25, but I want you to look in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. You'll find Hebrews 11. And look at verses 8 and 9 in Hebrews chapter 11. Now the writer of Hebrews talks about Abraham being this great man of faith. And that's why he is here in the roll call of the faithful in Hebrews chapter 11. First of all, we're going to look at how Abraham lived his life. I heard someone say one time that if you take care of the living, God will take care of the dying. What the man meant is that if you make sure that your walk is consistent and right with the Lord, God in His time will take care of the dying. Now in Hebrews 11, verses 8 and 9, let me read that. By faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. Now, writer of Hebrews says, and Abraham went out not knowing where he was going. He didn't have a map. He didn't have GPS. He didn't even know where the promised land was. God simply said, walk that way, and Abraham did. What a wonderful testimony. Abraham lived his life as a life of faith. Now, you and I don't like uncertainty. By the way, the stock market doesn't like uncertainty. <laughs> I, I did a foolish thing the other day. I got my quarterly retirement statement. Jay, I got it from Guidestone, you know, and I got in there and I thought, okay, I'm going to look. I'm just going to peek. I wish I hadn't done that. <laughs> Not been a good year. Uncertainty we don't like. And so Abraham, he walks out there being uncertain about his future, but he knows that God was leading. And when you and I walk by faith, the only thing we know for sure is that God is leading. And so Abraham is led by the Lord here. Now, it was a life of faith. He lived every day as an act of faith. In the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 4. Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 4, it says, Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by his faith. You see, 
there are two ways you can live life. By sight or by faith. If you live by sight, you're always going to be disappointed. Because if you live by sight, you're going to see some ugly, some bad, some unpleasant things. But by faith, we see things that only the people of God can see. Something I do every week is I call people on the phone, I'll talk with them, I'll pray with them, and, and there's a lot of hurt out there in the world. There's a lot of misery out there in the world. But people of faith know that God is working when we can't see Him working. So, it was a life of faith. Also, it was a life of following. A life of following. Uh, back in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 9, says that uh, He walked around living in tents. Walked around living in tents. It was a life of following the Lord. Let me tell you something. If I want to drive to Charlotte at night, when I turn the headlights on that Honda Civic, the lights don't shine all the way to Charlotte from Columbia. Just far enough. And by the way, my car is so old, you know how your the front of you know your, your headlights that cover over your headlights gets that film on there? I'm sure there's a way to take that off. Someone probably sells some cleaner. You can get that off, right? Someone buy some of that cleaner and come over to my apartment and clean my car, okay? But anyway, if you're driving to Charlotte, turn your lights on. It doesn't shine all the way to Charlotte, but just far enough to keep that car between the lines. Drive a little further, lights shine a little further. Just far enough to keep that car between the lines. That's what faith is. I wish in my life that God would shine the light all the way to the end of my life where I could see everything. God doesn't do that. God shines the light just far enough. And the reason why is because He wants me to live and walk by faith. I was telling someone the other day, I said, I like people that stay between the lines. Maybe this is just me, but I, I like someone that's well organized, that's well put together, that says this is where we're going and let's stay between the lines. The lines are our friend. How many times have you driven down the road and someone starts coming over and they, they get close to you and you get panicky and so you get on the horn and you look over at them, guess what? I got their phone, they're texting. Let me tell you, don't do that. Alright, put that phone away. I'm preaching to me too, alright? Because if I hear that ding, I am so tempted to reach for that phone. Don't do that. So, Abraham, faith, and he had following, but guess what? He also had favor. <laughs> because he was a man of faith, and because he followed, he had the favor of God on his life. Abraham walked in faith, followed the Lord, and God blessed him. I want to tell you, there is a blessing for the man or the woman of God who simply says, by faith I'm going to believe and by faith I'm going to follow. It doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter how it looks. 
I'm going to be faithful. Let me tell you a wonderful story about Gertrude. Uh, Gertrude Goss. Uh, one day I went and saw her, and every time I saw her at her house, at Laurel Crest, at the Atria, saw her over in Rice Home one time, every time I saw her, the same picture was over her bed. It's a picture of Dr. Goss. And every time I would visit her, I got the same story. She would stand there and stare at that picture and she would say, boy, that's a good looking man. <laughs> she would. Oh, that's a good looking man. I want to tell you something. When you get married, it is a faith adventure. Isn't that right? You don't really know all the ways that God's going to lead you don't know all the trails you're going to go down. You don't know all the struggles you're going to have. The reason why, if you knew, you wouldn't get married. <laughs> Same thing with your Christian walk. If you knew all the trials, all the struggles, if you knew it all, God said you couldn't handle it. And that's why faith is a wonderful adventure. Now, Look at the favor of God on Abraham. God blessed him financially. He was a rich man. God blessed him in warfare. Remember that story back in Genesis 14? You know, he went out and defeated the enemies of Sodom. God blessed him physically. He is 175 at his death. And God blessed him spiritually. How do I know God blessed him spiritually? Because everywhere you look, God had an altar there where Abraham worshipped. And so God blessed him spiritually. Now, listen to me. In your life, if you are a person of faith, and if you're following by faith, you're going to have the favor of God upon your life. Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Let me tell you, grace, mercy, and peace. I wouldn't trade anything for those three things in my life. I've got the grace of God. The unmerited favor of God. Man, God loves me no matter what. There's nothing I can do to earn His love. There's nothing I can do for Him to stop loving me. God's grace. His mercy. Man, God gave me mercy. And then peace. I have peace in my life. You know, there's a singer that used to sing. Uh, he gives you peace in the midst of a storm-tossed life. There's an anchor. There's a rock to build my faith upon. For Jesus rides in this vessel, and I know in Him I'm safe because He gives me peace in the midst of the storm. Woo! Isn't that good? That's right. Peace in the midst of the storm. Alright, got to move on. Number two. Not only how he lived his life, but number two, look at how Abraham laid down his life. Now, we look back here 
in uh, the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 25, verse 8. The Bible says, And Abraham breathed his last and died in a ripe old age. Let me stop there and talk about the first part of that. Abraham breathed his last. He had a final breath. You know who knew when that was? God did. God knew when Abraham's final breath was going to be. I'm, I appreciate so much uh, those who are in the medical field that are people of faith because they understand that they are a physician. But they also understand there's a great physician. And they understand the power of prayer and faith and God had determined here that Abraham was going to breathe his last. And then he died. Now, Abraham's a wonderful example of what a believer should be at the time of death. He laid down his life with readiness. Verse number 8 uses a phrase I think is kind of funny. The Bible says he died at a ripe old age. A ripe old age. That word for ripe is like the picking of fruit when it's ripe. It's not too ripe. It's not spoiled. And it's not too green. It's just ripe. Alright? Ripe old age. And then the Bible says there in verse number 8, He was satisfied with life. How many people come to the end of their life with regrets? Oh, I regret I didn't do this. I regret I, I didn't get that done. Abraham comes and he looks back over his life. 175 years and he says, I am satisfied with my life. Hebrews chapter 11 again. Back in chapter 11 verse 10. It says, For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Think about the journey of Abraham. He goes through the land of Canaan. He's looking for that city whose architect and builder is God. And did he find it? No, he didn't find it in Canaan, but he found it in heaven, didn't he? He found that city in heaven. You and I call it the New Jerusalem. He also laid down his life with reassurance. Genesis 25, verse 8, it says uh, he was gathered to his people. Kind of an interesting statement. Abraham was gathered up to his people. Do you look forward one day to seeing people that have passed before you? Sure you do. Gathered to his people. Abraham was going to be reunited with Sarah, his wife. His, his kinsmen, he, he was gathered up to his people. Someone made a comment about this. I didn't read this, but in chapter 25, verse 1, Abraham at this advanced age, he got married again. Married to uh, Keturah. And uh, not only did he get married, he had children again, alright? Had a second family. And so the Bible says that after he had this long life, another family, he is gathered to his people. 
When the time came, Abraham laid down his life with readiness, with reassurance. All of us ought to dream for that, that we lay down our life and we're ready to meet the Lord. And not only are we ready to meet the Lord, there's a reassurance that we're going to be reunited with our family. Out there in western Oklahoma, there's a lot of cowboy churches. Somebody asked me the other day, I was staff meeting on Monday, I had a, one of those palmetto ties on. Someone said, what does an Oklahoma tie look like? And I said, well, it's one of those string ties, one of them bolo ties. <laughs> but out there in them cowboy churches, boy, they do funerals upright. Man, you get your little steel guitar. <laughs> get your little banjo and guitar. Boy, they, they just sing people into glory. Toe-tapping music. They got those Wrangler jeans on, starch, where you stand them up in the corner at night, you know. You just kind of jump into them in the morning. Diamond J. Rovers. Boy, I tell you, ain't nothing like it. Let, let me tell you this real quick. A hundred years ago, 150 years ago, when someone would pass away, and I, I'm not advocating this, but I'm just sharing my heart with you on this. There wasn't all the drugs that we have today that basically knocks people out and puts people into a coma at the end. They, they were a lot of them aware right up until the last breath. And I, I know there's a pain in that. There, it was painful to watch someone and, and they probably suffered more. But I want to tell you what else happened. The family that gathered around those beds a hundred years ago, they saw what it was like for someone to see glory and to be translated into this world and to the next. And I, I, I think somehow maybe we miss some of that. That uh, singing people into heaven and celebrating when they're translated into glory. Uh, there's just something about that. I, I just want to share that with you. Alright, I've got to move on. Number three, number three. Look at how Abraham loved his Lord. And uh, Genesis chapter 25, verses 5 and 6. Now look at that with me. Now Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac. But to the sons of his concubines, Abraham gave gifts while he was still living and sent them away from his son Isaac eastward to the land of the east. Now, Abraham's life is marked by a growing love for the Lord. A love for the Lord is not seen unless you have love for one another. You follow me? You can say with all your heart, now, I love God with all my heart. But if you treat your neighbor like dirt, your words contradict your actions. And so Abraham is generous here. He gives to Isaac. And then he gives to his other children from the concubine and from Keturah. So, what you find is that Abraham is just bubbling up with love in his life. 
Joey Huggins says to the real men that you ought to love Jesus more today than you did yesterday. Remember that song we used to sing, I love Him better every day? One uh, commentary talking about the life of Abraham said when the Lord said do, He did. You see, His love was displayed by obedience. Boy, what a, what a thing to be written about someone. The Lord said, do, He did. I want you to look in your Bible over to John. Look at John's Gospel chapter 14. Look at John 14, verses 15 and 21. John chapter 14. Look at verse 15 and verse 21. The Bible says, if you love Me, you will keep My commandments. And then down in verse number 21, He who has My commandments and keeps them is the one who loves Me. And he who loves Me will be loved by My Father, and I will love him and will disclose Myself to him. You know, when you love someone, you take care of them. When you love someone, you watch out for them. I had an interesting thing happen the other day. I was over at the EFLC, the Estep Family Life Center, and I was trying to, to work out, trying to improve the outer man. And I was over there on the treadmill. and So I got in there, and there's another guy in there. And boy, he messed me up. Because I couldn't watch my TV show because somebody else beat me in there. You know, I like to go over there and get on the treadmill and watch Gunsmoke. That's my deal. I want to watch Gunsmoke. Well, somebody else is in there, so I couldn't watch Gunsmoke. So I walked on the treadmill, and after I walked on the treadmill, I saw a, a piece of apparatus sitting there in this room, and, and I thought, well, that looks like fun. I said, I've, I've never tried that. It looks like a bicycle. And so it's one of those stationary bicycles. So I got down from the treadmill and, and I got on that thing and so I hit the button and nothing happened. So I hit some more buttons and nothing happened. So I hit all the buttons I could hit and I'm just standing there and so then I walked around it seven times and took a look at it. I cast demons out of it and I sent a Sheba Sean and I mean nothing came on and so finally, Cindy Woods opens up the door. Evidently, Cindy had seen me on the monitor trying to get that thing cranked up. Cindy said, you got to sit down in the seat and start pedaling. And then when you start pedaling, it comes on. So I sat down in the seat and I pedaled and pedaled and pedaled and finally it came on. I wanted to say, Cindy, why don't you get this thing going, pedal it, and then I'll jump on, all right? <laughs> you know how long I did that? Five minutes. Too much work for me, man. Five minutes. I love the treadmill, but I'm not a fan of that stationary bike. I didn't know it. I didn't know it. But someone was watching and monitoring that exercise room. That was Cindy and Mark. 
Making sure no one got hurt. Making sure someone knew how to use the equipment, which I didn't. You'll never know until you get to heaven one day. All the times God was watching you when God had His thumb on you, when God steered you this way, God steered you that way, you avoided a disaster because God was there. When I look at the life of Abraham, well, I see the hand of God on him. I want you to look back in Genesis 25 and you find that Abraham declared his love Chapter 25, verses 5 and 6 we read. But then you find in verses 9 through 11, let me read 9 through 11 in chapter 25. Then his sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah. Remember we saw that with Sarah. In the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar the Hittite, facing Mamre. I really read that just to show you I could pronounce all those words, alright? <laughs> 10 and 11. The field which Abraham purchased from the sons of Heth. There Abraham was buried with Sarah his wife. It came about after the death of Abraham that God blessed his son Isaac. And Isaac lived by Beth Lehoroi. Now, <clears throat> in those verses right there, you find that Abraham, as we saw last week, went to his death owning one piece of property, just this little cave where Sarah and he were buried. But you find that the love that's seen here between Isaac and his family, that love didn't just appear right there. It was a love that Abraham built through his life. He poured his heart and his life into his family. I want to tell you, if you've got a mom or dad still living, that's a precious thing. If you've got grandchildren, children living, that's a precious thing. Family. God gives us family to nurture and take care of. Let me close by talking to you about, about my dad. <clears throat> my dad was a wonderful man and he was a baker, and at the end of his life, he developed Parkinson's disease. And uh, the end of his life, had to go to a nursing facility. Now, I always look forward to going and seeing Dad in that nursing home. And I'd walk into the room, and the first thing Dad would do, he would offer me a cookie. Every time. Dad would say, son, sit down and have a cookie. He had a basket. So he would show me the basket. Then that basket was all oatmeal raisin cookies. And Dad offered you those cookies because he didn't like those. <laughs> the good stuff was in the top drawer. The chocolate chip cookies were in the top drawer. He didn't offer those to anybody. But if you want oatmeal raisin, you can have that. So I'd say, no, Pop, I'm fine. I was out on church visitation, knocking on doors. I got home and 
walked into the study there at the parsonage. Pam looked at me and said, uh, got a phone call. Said your dad passed away. And uh, I remember saying, oh no. Got on the phone and called mom and called my dad's pastor. Not too long before my dad passed away, uh, his pastor, Brother Tim, came to see him. And after Tim saw my dad, my dad called and said, uh, well, Pastor Tim pulled a fast one on me. I said, what did he do? Dad said, well, he came to see me and at the end, you know, he always prays. But said this time he grabbed my hand and said, said, RJ, that's what my dad went by, RJ, Richard, you pray for me this time. So the last time Tim saw my dad, my dad got to pray for his pastor. Every month, I'd send some money. I'd send some money to buy those cookies. I'd send some money to help take care of my dad. I want to tell you something. Since my dad passed away, my dad hadn't cost me a dime. But when someone is living, they ought to cost you something. When someone is living and you love them, it ought to cost you time that you spend with them. It ought to cost you money that you give to them. It ought to cost you sacrifice that you give to them. Don't you ever apologize for time, for love, for energy, for money that you give to your family. Because Abraham is a wonderful example of a life well lived and a good death because He loved His family. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word today. Lord, we celebrate the life of Abraham. Lord, so many people in this room have had to say goodbye to a loved one. But oh God, if it's a life of faith, if it's a life of following, it'll be a life of favor for all eternity. God, we thank You for Your precious Word today. Bless us now as we go to worship. In Jesus' name, Amen.